0: Hello, my friends, my family, my community, my tribe. Welcome to the Hippie Moms Podcast. Thank you. Here we are again in Podcast Land. So many, many years ago, before I uh, was married and had kids, um, I met my husband. Uh, it was actually really pivotal time in my life when I met him because I am not kidding. Literally seven days before I met him, I did almost this like ceremony for myself. I did this almost like this. I, it was New Year's Eve and I was supposed to be going out with this guy. Everything in me told me not to. And he was calling me. He was really pressuring me to go. You know, it was this This guy, I really didn't have interest in. He was just kind of a space filler in my life, to be completely honest with you. He was a pilot and he took me in some planes and it was cool and it was impressive, but there just wasn't that connection. He wasn't my guy and he kept pressuring me to come out and to do something and I was all ready to go and I just said, you know what? I can't, I called him and I said, I can't do it and he wouldn't take it. I said, listen, (laughs) I'm not coming. For me, that was really big. You know, I could I could bring the guns out when I in business and in negotiations. I was in commercial real estate at that time. I was, you know, uh, wheeling and dealing with my team and, and working this this arena that wasn't ever really in alignment for me. But when it and I was okay in that space to really say what I thought, and it was very masculine energy but when it came to hurting someone's feelings and rejecting someone because i had been rejected so many times it was really hard but eventually i got to this place and understanding that if i really was going to attract what i wanted and i would i would i have to say what i feel i have to say my truth and so very sternly i said i'm not coming then i went into this this evening by myself um, I to be honest, I drank a bottle of wine and I I had some big joints. <laughs> I was smoking. I was I was single at the time. I was in my own space. I lit candles and without even knowing, I did almost a ceremony for myself. And I decided I had enough. I had enough of attracting these men that were not a big that were just not a match. And I was ready to bring the man of my dreams in. <clears throat> so I, I had a, a, a I guess, tin silver bowl and I um, burned some sage and palo santo. <clears throat> I was even hippie back then, even though I didn't really know it. And, um, and then I, I had a little, like almost created a little fire on my balcony, which is probably not okay to do. But I wrote all the things that I, I didn't want anymore. I was, I was tired of attracting into my life and I burned them. And then I wrote the things that I really, I really was looking for in a man, you know, those even little things, just like, just like they smell good and they think you smell good, right? Um, That's a big thing. Our sense of smell really guides us towards that Um, and the pheromones and, and just kind of that innate knowing that. When you meet someone, like your bodies, your smells, your chemistry knows if you are able, like you're a match, a DNA match in order to make healthy babies. I believe that. Anyway, so it was kind of one of those things. And I shit you not, seven days later, I meet Scott. We actually met online. Not a lot of people know this. This was this was 14, about 14 years ago. And it was just kind of when it was coming out, when the whole... um you know, dating online was actually becoming less taboo. And it was my third online date. And that's when I met Scott. And we had a wonderful, wonderful first date. It was romantic. But I'm going to tell you the most beautiful thing that happened in that, that I, that happened in our meeting that I knew was different is he got really vulnerable. And he shared something with me that I don't think he had ever shared with any other girl on the first date. And I think he shared it with me. I'm not gonna say it because it's private, but he shared it with me and I was like, wow, that is amazing. You know, most guys I meet, their egos are so big, it's hard to even know who they are. You know, it takes days, months, years to even know who this, who this human was. And I just knew right away. And so we started to date and we had some ups and downs, but uh, we figured it out and soon came the time. I was taking it really slow because I liked him. <laughs> I always say that. I'm like, I really like this guy, so I'm going to hold out. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You can't give it up too quick when you're in the dating scene. At least that's how it was then. I don't really know what's going on these days. But um, I'm assuming it might be similar. Um, And so he brought his dogs over. And his dogs were his babies. And there was Dallas and Roscoe. And I remember the first time they came in, I mean, I had this, you know, little two-bedroom condo that I just bought and I, you know, everything was in its place. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm just like my dad. I like my place clean and organized. Everything has its place. So being a mom has been very challenging for me. Um, and I've grown with that into just it, it, to be okay with the mess, right? Just to be messy. It's okay to be messy. But at that time I wasn't. So the dogs came in and they were running all over. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what is happening here? And Scott kept doing the thing. I don't know if you ever watched The Dog Whisperer. Have you seen that by Caesar Milan? I used to, we used to watch it all the time. I don't watch it anymore, but I think I got enough tips. in. but he's so good. He's so beautiful. He's so attuned to the energy of dogs and animals. Um, and it was just it was so beautiful. And he would always do this thing that he'd go, Shh, and it's to help get the dog's attention and to redirect. And so the whole time I was with Scott, he'd be like. Shh, and oh my God, I got so on my nerves, so on my nerves. I was like, I don't know if I can handle this. But little did I know that a couple weeks later, I would be doing the same thing. Um, within three or four months, God ended up moving in with me. Um, we were, you know, there were some things happening and it was kind of one of those things where I was like, all right, let's just give it a shot. I mean... Wow. I I really wouldn't want my kids to do that, but at this point I was, you know, out of college and um I I was just going for it, you know. I was like, well, there's there's never a you know, a better way to get to know someone when you live with someone. So the dogs became mine. They became mine. Um, you know, and it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. I mean, we had four of these living beings in my condo. We were constantly having to take the dogs outside. It was the most annoying thing. I mean, now just having a yard for the dogs to go out to is like, it's such a luxury. Um, You know, and, and the dogs were sleeping on the foot of our bed. I mean, they really became our babies and they always gave us something to smile about. Roscoe is a little pug. And Dallas was this, you know, beautiful um, golden retriever looking dog. He was a, a mud of some sort, but he he just, he had it. He had it going on. He was really cute. And he had this tail that would curl around and it looked like it was like an 80s hair, you know, like the 80s hairband hair. That's what it was. And we would just see it always at the bottom of our, when it would wa- when he would walk, we'd be laying down and he would walk by the foot of our bed and you just see the tail go by. It was so funny. It had a light, it had a whole personality of its own. Um, and, you know, just from seeing Scott with the dogs and how he was, I just had a feeling that he would be such a great father. And he had at that time he had all these nephews and his niece was born. And so I would get to see this interaction of how much love that he had for these kids. And it was really beautiful. Like it really kind of broke my heart wide open. Um, and then, you know, we, I mean, it was just like this, this, the four of us, it was like our little, it was our little, you know, our little, our unit, it was our unit. And, um, you know, it was so beautiful because we just had so much fun and we had so much experience. And B- B- Dallas and Roscoe were like the bestest of friends, and they became the first dogs that really ever truly called me mom. And then we got married. Of course, all so, so many things happened, but then we got married, and um, at literally three months after we got married, we got pregnant which wasn't really the plan, but we're like, well, we have never tried to really try before. And I I honestly was in the kind of the thought form, well, gosh, you know, cause I had a lot of friends, a lot of friends, I knew a lot of people that were really struggling to have children. And in some way I was really worried that that was gonna be me, you know? And, um, and then I got pregnant so easy and then I went through the guilt. Like, oh my goodness, I have so many friends that are struggling, here I am just getting pregnant so easy. So it was like, I was happy, I was, but I was also, um, it was interesting. It was a really interesting, um, dynamic of not wanting to be too happy in front of my friends that I knew how to struggle. And also like, I was surprised because, you know, so many people around me were having issues and that's not what this podcast is about. We need to do that podcast. That would be such a great podcast. Um, and so then the kids came, the kids came and you know, the dogs moved to the floor and my babies co-slept. I mean, my babies were with me all the time. They slept with me, you know, up until um, I would say like two, three years ago. And they're they're eight and let's see, they're eight and eleven right now. So uh, I love it. I love having the kids in my bed now. You know, they have their own bed. They go to bed. They they weren't. They're not spoiled. They totally like. They come to a point where they just want their own space. Um, but every every night before night, I'm like, come, let's snuggle. You know, we say hold each other and say good night well um about a year a month and 11 days ago uh our Dallas transitioned to the older dog he um and it was a full moon which is interesting and his heart, I mean our hearts was broken broken i mean he was my bestest friend he was always following me around and and he would always go hiking with me and it was so cute on these hiking trails everyone knew Dallas you know we would always see people and he was just oh he was just such oh such a gem. And I just remember going on hikes with him and, and, and really connecting to this time when, when I would have to be without him. And it was, it was even heartbreaking then when I had him to think about losing him. And then one day, I, uh, I went away on a girl's trip, decided not to take the dogs, and uh, Dallas had a stroke. And um, it was so sad because he had left. He was no longer there. And we had to say goodbye. And it was so unbearable for my children. And it took a long time to heal a long time to heal. Um, Now, losing a dog and losing a human is is definitely quite different, right? I mean, dogs are our family, but when we have actual family members that cross or pass, it's heartbreaking. And it's something that every human will experience, this idea. And and, and just the whole uh, experience of losing someone or something that is so close to you. Um, about three months after my son was born, my business partner of almost 12 years um, committed suicide. And I was in complete shock. And um, it, was, it was very horrible. Um, him and his wife were going through some really, uh, going through a divorce. Um, the real estate market had crashed. Um, and so the financial pressure of his life and his lifestyle, and I just think everything came crashing down and he was medicated. His doctors, of course, gave him antidepressants and, um, things to help him sleep. And then things would come up. And I mean, he had a whole, you know, a whole pharmacy, um, that was prescribed to him. And, I really believe that that contributed to um, his demise. And going through that experience was extremely painful. Um, and it was the first time I had lost my grandparents. I'd lost all four of my grandparents. Um, and they, you know, thankfully, three of them died of old age. One of them died of an aneurysm. Um, so I had this like experience with loss that was so intimate. And so I had been in grief before, Um, but I just felt this was a man that I had seen almost every day of my life. He was like an uncle to me and a huge part of my life and a very dear friend. And it was heartbreaking, but I didn't have any of the tools that I have today to deal with loss. And, And this is where I'm getting at. I'm. I'm. My hope of sharing my recent loss is to, you know, bring this awareness around the love that is found in loss. And so I, I say all of this because you know we all grieve differently, and that's one thing I've really noticed with a lot of people. Um, there, I actually, when my partner died there, we were at the funeral with my other business partner and we saw Rick's picture. It was this big, beautiful picture of him. And it's this professional headshot. And we were sitting there and, um, my partner, Max at the time, uh, business partner, um, said something funny, you know, like, like a joke, like, Oh, Rick would have, uh, would have wanted them to use another photo or something. And I remember it made me laugh. You know, he, He brought so much joy. And I remember there's like four people that just looked at us and glared at us. Like, how dare we laugh at a funeral? Um, Little did they see, you know, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning when I'm breastfeeding and up with my baby, These um, where the grief really hit me, you know, in in the dead of the night uh, when you wake up and your heart and your body can't. Can't hold it anymore and it has to be expressed. And so I I guess I say that because I think, and I've seen it even with my children, how different we grieve and at different times and in different ways. And there's no right way because I think we can hold a lot of guilt about how we grieve and what the process looks like for us and what it looks like for others. And if it doesn't look similar, we can kind of hold resentment towards it. You know, I, I really felt that. I felt a lot of judgment that I wasn't outwardly expressing. I had also had, my child was three months and he didn't sleep. He barely ate. He was colicky. I was out of my mind, you know. Um, I remember going to the funeral and and leaving my baby for the first time. And it was just, it was scary. And anyway, so um, a few days ago, um, our little pug, Roscoe, fell ill. Um, He was 16 and a half. Um, he had been slowly declining. He came down with a really bad cough. And then I was also on a trip. It's kind of eerie, you guys. I was also on a girl's trip. And I came home and he just started to decline. Um, and it was a full moon. How interesting is that? It's just so interesting. Um, you know, it was time for him to transition. And, and when he was dying, you know, all the fields came crashing down of this loss the feeling of loss. Um, and we spent the whole day around him. We were praying as he was slowly dying. And, and then he became weak and unable to walk or eat. And, and then we knew it was time. We knew it was time for his transition. And we stayed home. You know, the kids stayed home from school. Scott and I canceled our meetings. And we all, you know, just kind of uh, snuggled on the couch and tried to eat as much as our appetites would allow. And then he passed he passed. And it was, again, it was heartbreaking. Um, you know, we feel the losing something is so painful. It's so painful. Um, and I'm going to stop for a minute and I am going to share, you know, this, what was so beautiful, my friends is when I came out back on Monday, um, in the evening, I picked up Right before bed, I picked up this book that Greg Brayden uh, wrote. It's called The Wisdom Codes. It's ancient words to rewire our brains and heal our hearts. So it's the power of words, the power of language. And he says something, of, and, and the, where I was was about loss. Wow. Right? It was like God knew that I was going to be soon losing something that I, Roscoe had been a part of my life. He had been a part of my daily experience every day i would wake to his curly tail wagging and waiting for me to wake up to feed him you know and um he was always just watching me and always there in the kitchen you know hoping i'd drop some food and of course i always gave him little snackies um you know he was our buddy and the kids loved him and he's a pug and his, his tongue felt his tongue was like sticking out all day long we eventually had to remove all his teeth because that's the problem with a lot of pugs is their short snouts are not long enough for saliva to help clean their mouth so they get really bad bad teeth no matter what you know no matter what we brushed his teeth we did all the things and then well then you have kids and you brush their teeth they just kind of move down on the totem pole it's just what happens you know they start started you know that's just what happens um so i'm gonna read a little excerpt from uh Greg Braden's book um, and just to kind of um, help in kind of where I was and what the story is and, and I hope you find something for it he says loss is a universal experience it's inevitable it's inescapable and it's natural we all lose something each day in our lives sometimes our losses are so subtle that they're almost imperceptible From the time we're young, for example, we see quote unquote progress, changing the faces of the home streets, grocery stores and movie theaters that we grew up with. While the incremental change of a new mall or the loss of our favorite late night cafe may seem insignificant as it occurs, when we put those changes together and look backward in time, we find that the way we remember our neighborhood is barely recognizable when compared to the current version of our surroundings. And although our logic tells us that it's natural for our surroundings to change, we rarely give our emotions the opportunity to catch up and adjust to the shift. In our culture, we're expected to just, quote-unquote, go with the flow and embrace the transformation. The truth is, however, that we we need time to adjust. We need time to acclimate to the void that the loss of familiar things leaves in our lives and in our hearts. So um, it's so beautiful. It, it was kind of like... You know, we, to take time to grieve, no matter what it is of what we're losing, it's kind of giving ourselves time to process because we don't process a lot of emotions. You know, most of us play the suppress or oppress game that when these big emotions come up, we just push them down because we don't want to feel them. We don't feel safe. We don't feel safe in these, in this unfolding of these emotions within our body yet if we are able to notice that the feelings and emotions within us are actually energy and if we can get out of the storyline of good or bad and we can just move into the energy of the body and experience it without all the stories it's it's it, there's a deepening and a trust in the body because the body must express what the experience that it's moving through life and if we're trying to suppress or oppress it or shame it, which is so normal in our culture. Don't cry. You're the P word. You know, don't be a baby. Um, we learn we're not safe in these experiences when we're young. And so we have to always continue to have this wall. Um, and so I I share this because it's, um, it's important for us to understand that it's, it change is inevitable. It's something we're all going to experience in our lives we're always experiencing everything always changes yet we're so attached to it being the same that we're always suffering so it isn't it interesting it's like life is the only constant change is the only constant in our life in our lives yet we resist it and we cause ourselves suffering I just find it so um so interesting okay so he continues on when a loved one is with us in body, there's an energy that we create from the merging of our awareness, consciousness and feelings for one another. More than a metaphor, this very real and measurable field of energy results from the bioelectric, biomagnetic and photonic fields that we emit from the cells of our blood organs and tissues. We know this energy is the feeling we experience when we meet a lover, a dear friend, Um, for example, at a cafe or tea or coffee, the instant we see them, our eyes light up, we have a big smile on our face, and we tingle as our energy comes alive. And it's precisely because this energy field is so very real that when it dissolves with their passing, we experience so much hurt. When we lose a loved one, the field of energy that we've created together begins to disintegrate. It has to because the energy from the body that once held it together no longer exists. Just as water and sugar merge into a fluid system when they are combined, in our emotion-based relationships, the fields that we create are fluid and malleable. A field changes with our moods, pace, and quality of communication and depth of trust. Just as the system of sugar and water begins to change if it evaporates, our relationship energy begins to take on new form in the absence of a loved one, partially or particularly someone who has died. We often hear people reflect this saying, saying things like it's as though they something's been ripped away from them or they feel incomplete and empty when they lose someone close. They're telling us the truth. The emptiness is real and it results from the loss of the energy that was once created in the absent person's presence, even sometimes at a distance. Um, I'm going to put a link to this book. It's really a beautiful book. Um, he goes through a lot of... Um, ancient words and things that we can say to bring in new vibrations into our fields. But um, I really love this book. And he goes on to talk about the, you know, just embracing finality um, and our feelings and losses as a teacher of love. It's a really beautiful book. And um, I share it because, you know, this was what I was reading before Roscoe, uh, the day before Roscoe passed. And like I said, it's very hard to compare our loss of a loved one, a child, um, you know, a lover, a partner, and a dog, um, or a cat or an animal. But these, the, what I've realized is that exactly what he was talking about, there's an energy created between you and someone else, between you and something else. And when that person or thing vanishes, that energy, we feel a discord, you know, just as I wake up and Roscoe's not there anymore, wagging his tail, wanting to be fed, or when I would go to bed and Dallas would always come and poke his nose on my bed to say goodnight, that stops. Or when my grandmother passed and I was no longer able to call her and and just hear her and her funny stories, and and then when Rick passed, you know, I had a confidant and a, a like an uncle that... We were close and, um, it was so sad that he would never really get to know my, my child and, and just, you know, be a part of my life. And so there's this ripping away, this, this, now this energy is gone and we are asked to step in, um, to a whole new way of being. One of the first and most devastating losses that I had ever experienced, um, or was a part of was one, a very good friend of mine. Um, her brother was killed by a drunk driver. Um, she was a high school friend. I knew her for a very long time and knew her family and her brother very well. And I remember going back for the funeral. I was in uh, college, I believe, or a little out of college. And um, I just remember being with her mom and her and the devast- the devastation. It was it was so palatable and so heartbreaking. And I I just couldn't ever imagine. Couldn't ever imagine losing a child like that. And and part of me back then is why God why, right? That's what we do. Why? And where I am now and in my evolution of understanding, I know that they don't go away because energy can never, ever be destroyed. It's always there. And I believe the bodies we wear are, are earth suits. They're like a coat. I love Wayne Dyer says that dying is something to the effect that dying is just as if we're taking off our coat. And, you know, it. it, it feels good to think that way, you know, And it also depends on what you believe in. No one really knows, although we have many stories that have come out of after-death experiences um, or near-death experiences where a lot of people talk about the similar light and the transition and the process of and the awareness and consciousness they are, and it completely changes their life, completely changes your life. And losing someone or something changes your life. And as we were sitting around Roscoe's bed, and we were crying, and we kind of looked at each other, and there was this understanding that we are never guaranteed a day. And even those annoying things that Roscoe would do, he would bark and bark, this high-pitched bark whenever I was about to feed him. It was so annoying. They were like, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that bark and that thing that would always annoy me. And I said, wow, wouldn't that be amazing if we could see each other through that lens, the things that really annoy us? Can we um, you know, just kind of bring in that idea of loss in the present when we haven't lost anyone? But this idea of when and if we're separated, what does that feel like? How much love is there for each other? And how much love, more love do you feel for someone after they leave? You know, you just, you don't realize it. You're in the matrix. We're in the matrix all the time. The to-do, the busy, busy, busy. It's all fucking illusion, right? We're here right now and here. And and we're always in this constant motion with each other. And how beautiful is it just to take a moment and be like, wow, you don't even have to say anything. I do it with my kids all the time now because the loss has shown me how to love more. And I know eat with each loss, I will be shown how to love more because that's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to do. And something was so beautiful. I had a moment over Roscoe and I lost it. You know, that like deep, deep, like just kind of that wail that like, it, it's like something being ripped away. Like energetically, I could feel it being ripped away. And um, i was standing in the kitchen. My youngest, so beautiful, you guys. My youngest came up to me, and he grabbed my arm, and he's like, "Come on, mom." And he took me back to my room, and he's like, and he motioned me, he's like, to lay on the bed, and I laid down, and he snuggled into my chest, and he said, "Mama, you're okay. Mama, you're okay." And when he said that, it, the floodgates opened in that love. And in that acceptance and in that space that he was just holding me. I mean, he was being, he was being my mom. You know, he was being my, my parent. And he began to cry and we cried together. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. We were there together experiencing this loss, this new energetic uh, dimension almost with that Roscoe was leaving us, a new experience. You know, the tears eventually began to slow and we all met on the couch and we covered ourselves with blankets and put a movie on because we all needed some time to just kind of like give ourselves a little break. The movie ended and um, everyone kind of started to go and do their own thing and I was just like called to go outside on the hammock. And I know when I'm called and I was called to bring my journal And um, I sat in the hammock and the sun was shining and I was, I felt the loss again. And I was feeling the intensity of the emotions and I was called to write. And uh, a lot of times when I go through these very emotional things, poems come through. Um, I really don't like to take credit for these poems. (laughs) I really don't believe they're me. I believe they're, they're being, uh, they come through me. It's almost like a whole other frequency that comes in and like, helps me write it because if I try to force it or if I'm not in the flow, there's nothing happens. So I'm going to read you my poem in this, in this, in this podcast and then we're going to wrap it up. Okay. All right. It's called loss by moi, Becky Wells. Give that back. You can't take it away. How dare you? It's mine. I say belongs to me. It belongs to my heart. Now it's breaking open from loss. It's being ripped apart. The hurt of this, it lingers in my blood, unable to process. Was it all just a facade? Opening up to this feeling called grief, it hurts so much. All I yearn for is relief. Why is life like this? Why is it this way? I don't like it. I'm drowning in dismay consumed by what once was mine never to see again it's a fucking grime it feels like a shadow deep within my soul no light to call upon no one to call foul i sit in the darkness while my body suffers the sensations are relentless nothing seems to buffer i know it hurts i hear but you can stay you are safe to feel all of this you are so safe to feel this way Being human comes with all things, love, fear, and loss, bliss, and deep pain. You never wanted the easy way through. Your soul has called it directly to you. How can you know love without knowing fear, for the void you feel is your greatest teacher? Life will not stop just because you want it to. It's always unfolding, unfolding for you. Just like a muscle, it grows with weight, so the heart grows stronger with each break. Your soul knows that this is all but a game. The human condition is not for the tame. It's time to wake up. The courage within awaken your truth, the one you have forgotten. Nothing ever leaves you. Nothing is ever taken away. For on this earthly plane, it's all just a play. Your loved ones watch. They sit by you now, waiting for you to remember so they can show you how. To open up to their communication, waiting to assist you in your life's vocation. It is okay. It is okay that you forgot you're human and conditioned like a robot. It's a world. It wants you to feel disconnected from source, broken, and unable to heal. Spinning in thought, drowning in illusion of separation and keeping you in confusion. Close your eyes, my child, and find the stillness within. Attune the mind to the great void. It's where everything begins. Find space in your mind. Open your heart. Your loved ones are there waiting for you to take part. Take part in the knowing. Know it deep within your bones. You are not separate. You are not alone. For everyone you know and everyone you love, they are with you now, not just in heaven above. They await your connection. They await your sign so that you can be together, even on the earth plane. So remember to remember that there's nothing that you lost, for they will be there to greet us when we exhaust. Although we will always miss their physical manifestation Our hearts know they are still part of creation. So we will grieve. We will feel what is there. We will immerse ourselves in love. We will immerse ourselves in prayer. Grief will always be there for us to feel, for it's within the loss that even more love is revealed. So cry, wail, yell, and let it out, because the day will come when certainty overtakes the doubt. I know it hurts, I hear, but you can stay. You are safe to feel all of this. You are so safe to feel this way. So close your eyes, my child, and find the stillness within. Attune the mind to the great void where everything begins. That's it. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share my heart, my loss, my happy, sad, and all the moments in between. um, I'm not an expert on loss, but I'm a human that experiences loss and so are you. We all can connect on this level. We are all here to lose things and people that we love. And then a vacuum is created and then it's always filled with something new. Although it can never be compared to what you had before, it's just the change. It's the constant unfolding of life that is happening for us. And if we're able to be present, which I know is all of our work, and accept, be an acceptance of what is unfolding, and work towards the state of being, of, of, of being in neutrality of our lives, of being in acceptance, and we're going to talk a lot more about that. Okay, I've got some podcasts coming up that really dive into acceptance and neutrality and that, that can really help us around the loss. Because really, we're in this human experience together. We're in this human condition together. We've all chosen, I believe, to be here to grow, evolve, and learn. And, and we're here to hold each other up. I feel held by you, and I hope you feel held by me. And I, my hope is that we will all open our hearts to the constant unfolding of life that happens for us and choose awe and gratitude for this quick blip of life that we get to be here. It goes so fast. I mean, just look at the evidence. Look how quickly the kids grow. We don't have time to spin. We have, our our movement is, because, is, is coming within. Inside. Inside. Attuned to the inside world. Feel the feelings that are there. You're so safe. I am really excited. There's so much, um... You know, this podcast is kind of setting up the next couple podcasts that are coming up. And uh, I just thank you for tuning in and being a part of this. And I hope there's something um, that you got from this. Okay, I will catch you on the next Happy Moms podcast. Bye.